Aloha. You are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are less than one week away from the 2020 NBA Draft. That means it's time for another Big Board. That's right, Big Board 3.0, my third Big Board of the year. Just a reminder to listeners who maybe haven't followed our podcast in the past, when I put together a Big Board, I talked to NBA scouts, NBA executives, NBA agents, trying to understand where teams have different players ranked. And as we get closer to the draft, I continue to update that to try to understand what is the consensus around the league about where these players should be going in the draft. It doesn't mean that this is exactly where they will be drafted. That's what a mock draft is for, is to try to ascertain what each team will do with their pick. But just an overall consensus ranking about prospects right now. And this this draft has been really, really hard to nail that down. There's a lot of variability at the top and throughout uh, the, the draft. And this time, for the first time, I've gone all the way to 60 picks. So we're going to actually talk about 60 picks as we go through a big board 3.0. I did my final update on this on Wednesday. And you can follow along on my website at nbabigboard.com to see Big Board 3.0 and to see analysis, scouting reports, stats, measurements for all of these players and why we have them uh, ranked right now. We also have a Mock Draft 1.0 on the website as well. And on Friday, our podcast will be updating Mock Draft 1.0 to Mock Draft 2.0. So let's begin. I'm going to fly through some of these because there hasn't been a lot of change and I will stick and talk a little bit more about where we've seen some changes on our big board this time. We're going to start at the top with LaMelo Ball. He's been number one on all of our big boards, remains there. He's not a lock to go number one to Minnesota, and there are scenarios right now where Ball could slide to five, to six in this draft. And so it's a guy that there is sort of, you either love him or you hate him among NBA teams. But the consensus right now is that there are more teams that like LaMelo Ball at one than they do James Wiseman or Anthony Edwards. That's why he stays atop at number one. At two, James Wiseman has been here all year, stays here at two, uh, the center out of Memphis, a freshman who didn't play very much for Memphis this year, but just has all of the raw tools to potentially be a dominant big man in the league. And I think some teams were a little down on him maybe earlier in the year. I think that teams are really more excited about him now. Again, I'm not sure where he goes, but I think there's a decent chance that he goes number two to the Golden State Warriors. Also, the Charlotte Hornets, who are drafting third, also have interest in Wiseman. And so it's looking much more like he may end up in the top three. The third guy, Uh, that we have on our big board is Anthony Edwards, shooting guard, freshman out of Georgia. Might have the tightest draft range of any of the top three guys. It's very rare that I've talked to a team that doesn't have him in their top three. But he was more likely to be found at three than one on most draft boards, which is why he slides. And he obviously has the elite athletic ability and the physical profile that you're looking at in a draft prospect. But teams question the shooting, teams question the basketball IQ, and what he'll do on the defensive end. Big, big upside for him, but maybe a little bit of a scary floor. At four, this remains Tyrese Halliburton. This is where he was in Big Board 2.0. He remains at four in Big Board 3.0. 
the guard out of Iowa State, sophomore, guy that may have the highest floor of any of the prospects in this draft, which is what is bumping him up, but maybe not quite the ceiling of a guy like Wiseman and Edwards or LaMelo Ball, which is why he's just a little bit lower. A lot of interest in Halliburton, starting even with the Golden State Warriors at two, the Chicago Bulls at four have shown a lot of interest. Cleveland at five shown a lot of interest. Atlanta at six. Uh, he's got a lot of different places that he could ultimately end up landing. Then it gets a little bit rockier. I still have Killian Hayes at five, the point guard out of France. Uh, teams have really been impressed with his progress. There are some questions about his jump shot and what's going to become of that as he becomes an NBA prospect. The form looks good. He only shot 30% from three while he was playing for Ulm in Germany, but the French guard really is another one of those players with a pretty high floor, maybe not a super high ceiling, and just sort of squeaks in. And what was really hard for me to make a a big separation between Hayes at five, I have Onyeka Okongwu at six, the big USC freshman, Obi Toppin, who I have at seven, those three guys, you know, was very, very tight uh, between those guys. Hayes could have been ended up seven. Akongwu could have ended up at five. And really, I mean, you could probably put Halliburton in some of that as well. There's a lot of variability here among teams. But in some sort of order, I have it Hayes five, Akongwu six, Obi Toppin seven. You'll see teams that are a little bit different. I, actually, Obi Toppin is is two on on one of the boards that that I talked to but also of the guys to me is the one that most likely could slide Okongwu getting looks by the way from Charlotte at three so he could end up leapfrogging James Wiseman in certain scenarios and going to two a, a couple of spots higher on draft boards Hayes getting looks with Chicago with Cleveland um, with Atlanta, a uh, number of different po- uh, potential places uh, that he could go. At seven, Toppin, you know, maybe the most NBA-ready of the prospects in this draft. Uh, obviously going to be a guy who can get a lot done on the offensive end. The question is what he gets done on the defensive end of the floor. And again, his age is somewhat of a limiting factor, which might be why he's a spot or two higher I've talked about this in the podcast before. If he was 19 years old right now and done what he'd done at Dayton, he probably goes three, four spots higher. Another small change at eight, Patrick Williams, power forward out of Florida State. Freshman moves up a spot, and he seems to be the consensus next upside pick after Edwards is off the board and Wiseman and LaMelo Ball. A lot of teams not sure exactly what he's going to be, but they love projecting him as a three and D wing who can guard multiple positions, can shoot the ball, uh, can bring a lot to the table. He's a bit of a work in progress for sure. He only averaged nine points a game, four rebounds a game for Florida State. He's at eight and there is a lot of buzz. Sometimes it's smoke. Sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire that the Detroit Pistons are seriously looking at taking Patrick Williams at seven. And so he might outperform this uh, spot where he is in our big board by one uh, point. But if he doesn't go seven, I think that you're going to see some look for him 
you know, don't know it's going to be the Knicks at eight or the Wizards at nine. Phoenix at 10 has some interest. I think San Antonio at 11 is probably his floor right now. At nine, Devin Vassell, the wing out of Florida State, a sophomore who has been the tailor-made guy for what NBA teams are looking for out of wings. Gets it done on the defensive end, shoots the ball really well, shot 41.5% from three right now. He is getting interest all the way as high as six to the Atlanta Hawks right now. And so he could bump up several spots uh, on the big board on draft night. I'm not sure that he goes there, but then he's got several other places that I think that he can land right on down with Detroit at seven, the Knicks at eight, uh, at nine uh, to the Washington Wizards and 10 at the Phoenix Suns. It doesn't feel like Vassell is going to slip past Phoenix. There's a lot of people that think that that's a really tight fit for him if if they keep their pick. Denny Avdia then comes in at 10. Uh, the wing out of Maccabi Tel Aviv, Israel, 6'9", very aggressive player offensively, plays with a ton of confidence. Uh, teams love that. The question is really for Avdia, How's the shooting going to come along? Free throw, only 58% uh, from the free throw line. It's a major question mark. Doesn't have a lot of length. Some questions about who he's going to guard um, at the next level. He's another guy. Again, there's some variability here. Is he getting looks at Chicago? There's been some smoke there. I, I feel like that might be more smoke than fire. I definitely think Cleveland at five is a potential landing po- uh, landing spot for Avdia. And then as you work down uh, the list, uh, Detroit at seven, maybe New York at eight, but I don't necessarily really see New York going that direction, Washington at nine. So I I think that if if he gets past the Bulls at four and the Cavs at five, and the Cavs at five are probably the one spot where I think there is a significant chance that Avdia could go in the top five. They are looking for a wing. Um, there is some interest there. Then you start to see him sliding 10, 11, 12. And I think that's probably more likely where he ends up. Isaac Okoro is sort of in the same boat. I have him at 11. He's the wing out of Auburn freshman, probably the best perimeter defender in this draft, can guard multiple positions, has athleticism, has strength. Just a very shaky offensive game that I think is making teams question how high do you take a player with limited offensive output, especially on the especially on the shooting end in this draft and given where the league has gone? But certainly incredible talent on the defensive end. He's another guy that's getting a look at five from Cleveland. I know Cleveland likes him a lot. There's also been talk about him to Atlanta at six as well. And so could he end up four or five spots higher and push down an Avdia or a Vassell or someone like that. Absolutely. I just have him a little bit lower right now because I think if he misses those spots at five and six, and and personally, I think that's a little too high for him. And it certainly seems that the consensus among most NBA teams is that it is, then he's probably much, lo- much more likely to go in a spot like 11, 12, 13. RJ Hampton is at 12. And I want to put a, a little... A little line here and I'm going to do a tiers uh, mock draft on Monday uh, with Tony Jones and we'll talk about draft tiers more but this is a spot where I think that you're starting to see a tier right now I think Okuro and the other 10 guys that we talked about ahead of him are 
are in a space where they're probably the first 11 players off the board. Again, what the order is, is a little bit difficult to tell, but they're probably going to be off the board before we get to this next group. And so then this next group, now we're starting to get, again, a ton of variability in this next group. And it starts at 12 with RJ Hampton, the super athletic wing uh, who played in New Zealand last year. Uh, Much like Okoro, great athlete, major questions about offensively what he's going to bring to the table did not shoot the ball at all well while he was in New Zealand and unlike Okoro doesn't have the defensive chops that Okoro brings to the table that's why he's below him Aaron Neesmith uh, again a wing out of Vanderbilt you're going to see wings wings are rising in this draft a sophomore shot averaged 23 points a game shot 52.2 percent from three arguably the best shooter in this draft Lots of interest in him. Question marks about whether he's going to be able to shoot anything close to that at the NBA level. But Neesmith is is a guy that really is looking like he's going to round into a late lottery pick um, at this point. Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey. The wing out of Villanova. Sophomore. Had a really solid sophomore season. A 3-and-D forward, defends multiple positions. He was considerably lower. He was in the 20s, early 20s on our last big board. One of the biggest, highest risers on my big board. And that's just, again, based off of intel from teams that just don't believe that he is going to make it out of the teens. And and a few teams that don't believe he's going to make it out of the lottery, uh, actually. And so his range now moves to like 10 to 20 where it was like 15 to 25 before. And again, people are seeing him as the prototypical wing who can get it done on both ends of the floor. I, I certainly don't like him the same way that I like you know, someone like Devin Vassell, for example, or Patrick Williams. I think that his ceiling is, is lower than those players. But if you're asking me who's a guy that just makes – a no-brainer that he's going to be in the league for the next 10 years playing some role, whether it's as a guy who comes off the bench or as a starter in the NBA. Um, Siddiqui Bey just really seems like he could be one of those guys. And so that rounds out my lottery. And we're going to now dive into deeper in the draft. And like I said before, uh, this is something that we're going to be able to go all the way now into the second round and talk about uh, the top 60 picks. But I want to remind you that the NBA draft now just a few days away and Locked On NBA podcast is mock drafting every first round pick. I play a role in that. David Locke is tossing to me every three to four picks to get my take on what I think. But we had every Locked On NBA podcast host make a selection on the team that they know the best. And then expert analysis from myself, the Athletics' John Hollinger is there, Sports Illustrated' Jeremy Wu uh, chimes in uh, with some player evaluations. Check the feed to catch up on past shows. Don't miss a pick. We're drafting six to seven players each day. On Wednesday, picks one through six went up. On Thursday, today, uh, we're going to go get through the rest of the lottery. Subscribe to Locked on NBA today, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a runner. And every day, as I get to about mile eight or nine, my body starts to slow down. My muscles start tightening up. I need to break through a wall. 
And that's why I'm so excited about Built Bar's new product, Built Go, a solution to breaking through your wall. So what is your wall and what is Built Go? Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake, it's lasting, it's natural. It's easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages, you put it in your briefcase or your golf bag or your pocket to get throughout the day. It's the best workout gel on the market. And here's the thing, it is delicious. Much like the Built Bar, it tastes great. It has three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate milk. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine, better results, it's filled with protein, it's amazing stuff. So why don't you try it out? Visit builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. And we're back, talking Big Board 3.0. My updated Big Board, talk to NBA scouts, NBA executives, NBA agents about who they think is going where in the NBA draft. Uh, this is a consensus of those. It is not a mock draft. I'm not projecting these players to particular teams, but saying just the consensus of where they sort of land for teams uh, right now overall. And I'll add that if you want to not just listen to this, but follow along, you can go to nbabigboard.com and you'll find our latest big board. You'll also see draft projections, scouting reports, analysis, stats, measurements, all of that great stuff is there at nbabigboard.com as well as our mock draft 1.0, which will be updated to mock draft 2.0 on Friday. So we're back. We just went through the lottery. Now we're at pick 15. Kira Lewis, junior, point guard out of Alabama, sophomore, one of the quickest players in the draft, plays downhill, I think he had a really great sophomore season, young for his age. There aren't a lot of great point guard prospects in this draft. He's getting a lot of interest starting at 14 with the Boston Celtics, and then on down from there, we've got his draft range at 10 to 20. Tyrese Maxey, really tough prospect for me because there are teams as high as 10 who are looking at Maxey, and there's teams that are really off him to the point that he's not in their top 20. If you look at what he did at Kentucky as a freshman, there's things to be concerned about. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, when he tried to play on the ball, it was with pretty mixed results. There's way there's things to not like about Maxi, but I think on the other hand, people are looking at what's happened with past Kentucky prospects, how their game didn't necessarily translate just watching them at their one or two seasons at Kentucky, and then how well they've played in the NBA. And teams are projecting that onto Maxi as well. And that's why some people think he's going to outperform what he did as a freshman at Kentucky. He's 16 on our big board. But again, that draft range is 10 to 20 right now. And whether we're talking about Lewis Jr., uh, Sadiq Bay, uh, Aaron Neesmith now, RJ Hampton, all these guys are sort of in the next tier of prospects and all could be sort of interchangeable. At 17, I have Jalen Smith, the big man out of Maryland, sophomore, really shoots the ball well, stretch the floor. Good rebounder, uh, shot blocker, 
Averaged 2.1 steals a game, which is pretty terrific for a big guy uh, as well. A really interesting prospect. Teams question a little bit on the defensive end, whether he has the foot speed to guard players on the perimeter, whether it is the strength to guard guys in the paint. I think that he's an interesting prospect in the modern NBA, and he's getting looks as high again as the late lottery uh, New Orleans Pelicans come to mind. So that draft range may be like 13 all the way down to 25. Again, this is where the consensus starts to break down a little bit. 18, Jaden McDaniels, one of the most polarizing prospects in this draft. The, we moved him up considerably in mock draft or in big board 2.0. He, he stays essentially in the same position here. And, uh, you know, his, look, his Washington freshman season wasn't great. But there's so many tools. There's so much upside for McDaniels. I think at some point teams start to question whether the risk is worth uh, the reward. Some teams are going to question whether the reward is now worth the risk for Jaden McDaniels. I think it might be at this point in the draft. Right sort of in this this sweet spot, right? Right out of the lottery, the 15 to 25 range for Jaden McDaniels. Tyrell Terry at 19. Another polarizing prospect. One year at Stanford as a freshman, shot 41% from three. Lights out shooter. Hear a lot of Seth Curry uh, comparisons to Terry right now. He's put on some strength. He's improved his body since the season was over. I think that's helped his draft stock as well. There's a chance that, again, he's one of those prospects that could sneak into the lottery. I have his draft range right now 15 to 25, but if he outperformed that by a couple of spots, that wouldn't shock me. 19, Tyrell Terry. 20th on our big board, 3.0, Precious Achua, the wing freshman out of Memphis, who next to Okoro might be one of the two or three best defenders in this draft. And and one of the things about Achua that is so interesting is his ability to guard multiple positions on the floor. There are some scouts that believe he can guard all five uh, positions on the floor. I'm not sure because of his offensive deficiencies, how high he should go in this draft. He's another guy that there's like a couple of teams that have him in the late lottery right now. And there are a few teams, believe it or not, that doesn't that don't have him in the first round. And so that's a that's a huge variability right now with Precious. I have his draft range as 15 to 25. Again, if he overperformed that by a couple of spots, that wouldn't shock me. If he underperforms that by a few spots and maybe even slips out of the first round, that's not totally shocking if that were to happen. People all over the board. I'm not great at pronouncing this next name, but I'm going to try Alexis Pokashevsky, the big man, big in quotations, uh, from Serbia. He's tall. But man, is he skinny. He's a seven-footer who weighs 195 pounds. Seven-footer that weighs 195 pounds. Just to put that in perspective, I'm like six one and a half. I weigh like 180 pounds, and people call me Skinny Domino. And so now you add, now you add <laughs> 10 inches, 10 and a half inches, and only you know an extra 15 pounds. Wow. Uh, he is razor thin, but super skilled, an elite shooter, excellent passer. Who does he guard? How does he hold up? That's the big question. 15 to 25 draft, draft range for him. Moving up our board this time, Desmond Bain, 
the wing at a Texas Christian senior, was 30 on our last big board, up to 22, moves up eight spots. And I think he's one of the sure things in this draft, which is why he's moving up a few spots in this draft. Obviously, uh, he's a guy who did a lot, averaged almost four assists a game, shot 44% from three, six rebounds a game. He competes. He doesn't have ideal size or length and athleticism for his position, but he was so productive at Texas Christian. I think a lot of teams later in this first round that are looking for a guy who could come in and potentially be an impact player right away, Bain is an interesting prospect. Also moving up on our draft board to number 23, Malachi Flynn, the point guard out of San Diego State, the junior. Doesn't fit the physical profile the NBA is looking for, but he can flat out ball. Great feel and competitiveness for the game. Can score from anywhere. Excellent in the pick and roll. Super tough. Competes really hard on the defensive end. You know, look, he's not going to wow you with his size or his athleticism, but this is another guy who can just flat out play. And for teams that are looking for a player late in the first that could come in and contribute, Malachi Flynn, I think, is moving up boards because of that. Also moving up, we didn't do a second round, so he did not make our our first round last time, though he would have been right on the cusp of that. At 24, Leandro Bolomaro, the wing from Barcelona, Argentina, uh, originally from Argentina, has great feel for the game, incredibly tough, elite passing ability, jump shot shaky, doesn't have that elite athleticism that's a little bit scary. And he's not a guy who's going to actually come over next year. And there's possibility that maybe two years before we get Bolomaro over. Da- draft and stash prospect for sure. But there's so such uniqueness and toughness to his game. A lot of teams really like him and think if he could actually have come over this year, might have moved up a few spots. Dallas is probably... As high as he goes at 18, he could slip a few spots below that, but I don't think he slips out of the first round. At 25, Cole Anthony, maybe the guy who has seen his draft stock slide the most since the beginning of the season until now, now down to 25. And for the first time, a question mark about whether Anthony gets selected in the first round with some teams now slotting him as a potential early second round pick. The guard freshman, freshman guard out of North Carolina was a consensus top five pick coming in, had a disappointing season for North Carolina, teams questioning whether he just may have peaked. But I wonder if we're maybe being too hard on Anthony. He's an aggressive scorer. He's got range on his jump shot. He can really create uh, his own shot. He's, he's not necessarily a natural playmaker. He's more of a shoot for first type of guy. I just wonder if maybe the pendulum has swung too far with Cole Anthony. I was a little bit surprised to put him at 25 on our board, but that is the feedback that I'm getting now. I, I don't really see him getting drafted in the lottery at this point, and I, I think his range is probably now closer to 20 to 35 than where we had it last time, which was 15 to 25. Josh Green holds pretty steady at 26. The wing out of Arizona who's going to get drafted because of his defense and high basketball IQ. Another player that offensively, I'm not really sure he's there yet. Not sure he's going to get there. Uh, Depending on whether you think he's going to get there or not, 
depends on how high he goes. There are a few teams that have him like in the late teens, early 20s. And then, you know, for Green, I think there's a few teams that may not see him as a first round prospect. I think an interesting spot for him might end up being Utah at 23. That would be a little over projecting from where we have him at 26. But again, he's part of a new sort of group of players at this point. Theo Maladon, the big point guard out of France, 6'5", has put on some strength, has been a guy who um, a lot of teams have gotten a little bit higher on lately after they've seen him in pre-draft workouts, uh, putting in the work, uh, getting stronger, getting more explosive. That was one of the question marks that they had about his game. Uh, and he, interestingly, is not going to be a draft and stash prospect. I've been told by multiple sources that he is telling teams that he wants to be over this year and that he's going to force the issue there. And so if teams are thinking about draft and stash, I don't think that he's going to get there. And that may hurt his draft stock just a little bit because I think there's teams later in the first that have multiple first-round picks that might want to do a draft and stash, and he may no longer be an option to do so. Big riser. Huge riser on our board to 28, Vernon Carey Jr., big man out of Duke, freshman, weighed 270 pounds this season, and a lot of scouts just saw him as a dinosaur, Jalil Okafor-esque big man who 10, 15 years ago would have had a strong place in the league, but teams just questioning, given his size and lack of mobility, what he does in the modern NBA. And so what does he do? He goes out and uses all this time to drop down 30 pounds. I've been told by multiple sources that he's weighing 239, 240. He's been shooting the lights out in workouts and that his mobility has dramatically increased. And so now you're talking about a 6'10", 240-pound big man with a seven-foot wingspan who actually shot the ball in limited numbers pretty well for Duke uh, as a freshman. That could make a huge impact on his draft stock. And you have to remember, this is one of the high, highest-ranked prospects coming out of high school. And so a lot of teams liked him out of high school, weren't thrilled with his freshman season at Duke, again, because they saw some limitations there. But they are reevaluating uh, Kerry right now. And if you told me that he is going to end up going late teens or even 20 in the tw early 20s right now, I think that's a real possibility for him. I'm not sure he slides out of the first round anymore, uh, where I think a lot of people had him projected just, just a month ago. And so somebody who really put in the work and has, Im has improved his draft stock pretty dramatically. At number 29, Zeke Naji. The big man out of Arizona, freshman, put up pretty solid numbers as a freshman. Another guy who's been really rising on draft boards in the pre-draft workout process. Plays with a lot of energy, which I think people know. Uh, shows offensive ability both in the paint and further away from the basket. And he's really been working on his body, working on his athleticism. There's been questions about his lack of lateral quickness. Why didn't he block more shots? Um, and questions about his feel another guy that i think has gone into the gym worked on his body improved that to the point that some teams are now considering him as a potential first round prospect he's 29 on our board we put that draft range at 25 to 45 but the truth is there are a few teams that are looking at him even higher in the draft than 25 to 45 right now 
interesting high riser pros prospect. At 30, rounding out what would essentially be the first round, Robert Woodward III, the wing from Mississippi State sophomore, again, a very polarizing prospect for, for teams. He looks the part of a 3 and D player, lack of offensive production, questionable, questionable feel for the game, makes scouts wonder. He pops athletically when you watch him, uh, when you watch the video, he's got that, he's 6'7 with a long 7'1 wingspan. He's at such an intriguing prospect because, you know, he can do a lot of different things. He shot the ball really well from three, but with a limited sample size. And it's just the question about feel. Does he have the feel to continue to develop? He's a project for whatever team is going to draft him, but that doesn't mean that he is not going to get drafted in the first round. Again, I think his range is somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 35 right now. That's where I would put Woodward, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 35. Lots of teams interested. Lots of buzz around the Utah Jazz with Woodward at 23. Okay, that rounds out our top 30. And when we come back, we are going to do picks 31 through 60. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we are back talking 2020 NBA Big Board 3.0. That's my consensus based off talking to NBA execs, NBA agents, NBA scouts about who are the best prospects in this draft. Again, I'm not projecting where they're going to a specific team. That's what a mock draft's for. This is not a mock draft. This is based off the consensus from them. And, and I should point out, this is not my personal rankings. Uh, for these prospects, but more of a reported piece based on talking to a number of teams. And if you want to follow along on the web, you can go to nbabigboard.com where you can see all of the scouting projections, scouting reports, stats, measurements, also big, uh, also mock draft 1.0 is there as well. And you can check that out uh, if you're interested in mock draft 2.0 coming on Friday on the podcast, but also on nbabigboard.com. All right. Pick 31, Paul Reed. I love Paul Reed. If this was my board, he would be considerably higher. I think that maybe next to Okuro, he's the best defender in the draft. And because of his size and his ability to guard maybe four positions, super intriguing uh, player. Offense, still a work in progress. I think he's actually pretty good around the basket. I think he's got a decent mid-range game. His three-point shot is still very much emerging. I think it's because he played at DePaul that he hasn't gotten the hype of some of the other prospects right now, like Precious. If you were to put Precious and Paul Reed uh, together for me, I, I think Paul Reed, no-brainer for me because he brings so much more on the offensive end. But again, not everybody um, agrees uh, with that. At 32... It's Devon Dotson, the guard out of Kansas. One of the quickest, most explosive scorers in this draft. One of the reasons I like him. Again, a guy I probably on my personal board would have a few spots higher just because I think he could be instant offense, 
coming off the bench, sort of a Lou Williams type role in the NBA. He didn't shoot it great from three and his, his lack of size brings up some major questions about who he's going to defend at the next level. But I just see so much value there. I mean, his ability to score the basketball, I think his draft range probably 25 to 35, maybe to 40. I really like Dotson out of Kansas. At 33, Isaiah Stewart, the freshman Washington big man. Might be a spot or two higher. It was on my personal board. Certainly a guy that could end up in the first round, 25 to 35 range. He's strong. He's got a high motor big. He excels in the paint on both ends of the floor. Doesn't have like elite athleticism. Some question whether he's another one of these dinosaurs, a guy that maybe will have a hard time adjusting to the way the league is played right now. Um, he doesn't have the most ideal perimeter game. I, I really like him, though. I think he had a really strong season at Washington. I think he's probably being overlooked a little bit here, a steal if you have him at 33. Tyler Bay at 34, the wing out of Colorado. Uh, he's a junior bouncy forward he's a monster on the boards can guard multiple positions thanks to his long arms and above average athleticism maybe as far as like a perimeter defender might be number two to Okoro uh, as the best perimeter defender in this draft but just questions about whether his defense is going to be enough to make up for what is a pretty raw and rocky offensive game another guy that can end up sneaking into the first round I put his draft range at 25 to 35 at 35, Udoka Azabuke, the Kansas big man, guy that I am surprised isn't higher. Yes, I know he shoots 44% from the free throw line, which is awful, but he's seven feet tall. He has a 7'7 wingspan. He weighs 270 pounds. Just to put that into perspective, that's essentially the physical profile of DeAndre Jordan but with significant better production, at least in college, than Jordan had. Shot nearly 75% from the field. He is going to be a monster when he catches the ball in the paint. And, you know, yes, he is not the modern big that is going to stretch the floor. And that lack of versatility is going to hurt him considerably. But his ability to be a backup five in the league is intriguing enough for some teams that I think that they'll look at him in the late first, early second. Uh, I, I think... He's he's a monster, and I recognize that the league has moved on, but I, I think there's a place in the league uh, for him. And at 35, I think that's a really great uh, steal. At 36, Xavier Tillman, the big man out of Michigan State, uh, high IQ forward with great passing and defensive skills, doesn't have elite size for his position. That concerns teams, though he does have a 7-1 wingspan. His jump shot, just okay. Those have kind of kept him on the first round bubble. He's not a guy that like just like screams at you, you know, when you watch him on the floor, but just a guy that has a great feel for the game. Actually, a really good playmaker, average three assists a game for Michigan State this year for a big man. Definitely rebounds the ball and and was a decent shot blocker for Michigan State at 36. Probably one of the last few guys that I'm going to talk about that has a decent chance of going in the first round. Uh, there are teams that like Tillman and see him in the 20s. Uh, I think it's more likely uh, that he goes early in the second, but he might sneak into the first. Jamius Ramsey, the shooting guard out of Texas Tech, the freshman, drops 
one of the big droppers. Uh, he was, I think, at 25 on Big Board 2.0, down to 37 in our latest Big Board 3.0. He can score from anywhere on the floor, shot 42.6% from three last year. Uh, the shooting part, I think, is the intriguing part. His ability to actually play in the open court uh, is intriguing as well. But raw, uh, basketball decision-making, lot to be desired there. Struggles with the basics on both ends of the court. I think that the project nature of Ramsey is hurting his draft stock a little bit right now where you're seeing some older, more experienced players uh, jumping up ahead of him. At 38, Elijah Hughes, the shooting guard at Syracuse Jr., also slipped a little bit on my board. It was a late first-round prospect in Big Board 2.0. Slips the 38 here in Big Board 3.0. Really came on this year as a versatile scorer. There are questions about his defensive ability like there is for every Syracuse player. His age also kind of lowers his ceiling a bit. But given that he's a really solid shooter, he can play some point guard. He can really go get his own shot. He's a pretty good athlete who competes on both ends of the floor. This is a this is really high value uh, to me at 38 with Elijah Hughes. At 39, Peyton Pritchard, senior point guard out of Oregon, saw him play when he was still in high school uh, back when they uh, uh, would do the Nike Hoop Summit. And if you would have told me then that we were talking about Peyton Pritchard as an NBA prospect someday, I probably would have chuckled at you. He had an incredible senior season for Oregon. His explosion from beyond the arc really changed his draft projection pretty significantly. Shot 41.5% from three. Was known as just kind of a solid playmaker and a tough leader before a senior season, but really dramatically improved his offense. And a lot of teams have been rethinking his role in the NBA He's in the late 20s on a few boards, high 30s on some boards. We have his draft range right now is 25 to 45, 39 on big board 3.0. At 40, Trey Jones, the sophomore point guard out of Duke, who, like Peyton, projects as more of a serviceable backup point guard. He's got a lot of steadiness, leadership to lead a second unit. Jones doesn't have elite athleticism. His shooting ability is really rocky. I think that's why Peyton Pritchard leaps ahead of Trey Jones uh, on this board. Doesn't really have one of the high ceilings, but Trey Jones, I think a lot of teams feel like he's got a pretty high floor uh, as well and is going to be a really solid backup point guard in the NBA. At 41, Daniel Aturo, the big man sophomore out of Minnesota, had a monster sophomore season, 20 points a game, 11 rebounds a game, two and a half blocks a game, even shot 36.5% from three. And I think it's the feel for the game, the rawness of his game. There's a lot of potential there. And another guy, I know we're at 41, who might sneak his way um, into the first round. Other teams aren't aren't nearly as high as him. You know, he's 6'10". He's got that 7'2 wingspan. You know, size isn't, like, ideal uh, for the position. But Aturo definitely has upside. And if you just want to, like, sheer production, he really had a great season at Minnesota as a sophomore. At 42, Jordan Wara. Wing out of Louisville, a junior. Had a really nice junior season, 18 points, 7.7 rebounds a game. Shot 40% from three and had really really deep range on that jump shot possesses strength length 
excellent shooting ability for players his size. Maybe not the greatest feel for the game. His defense was a little bit questionable. That probably keeps him out of the first round, especially at age 21. But in a draft range of 30 to 50, uh, Wara really a guy who I I think uh, could play a role coming off the bench in the NBA because of that shooting ability at his size. At 43, the shooting guard out of Arkansas, sophomore Isaiah Joe, averaged 17 points a game, shot 34% from three, deep threat, gets a shot off from anywhere on the floor, and though he only shot 34% from three, his free throw percentage really bodes well for a future for his future as a shooter. Question is really, does he bring anything else to the table? He's also coming off knee surgery right now. Given all the other players that are sort of ahead of him right now in the draft, don't think he really cracks the first round, but has that draft range of 30 to 50 right now, uh, from my opinion. Cassius Winston comes in at 44. Michigan State senior. Really steady point guard. A lot of debate among NBA scouts about him. There are actually a couple of teams that have Winston in the late first round. Uh, other teams aren't really sure that uh, they would take him anywhere before this sort of range right now. He's 22 years old. He's 6'1", 185 pounds. That's, that's the first big knock on him. But he's a proven product. He's tough. He's an excellent leader. He is a committed defender, even though he doesn't really have great size for the position. Really shot the basketball well. Shot 43% from three as a senior at Michigan State. It's the question of when you lack size and elite athleticism, what's your role in the NBA? Maybe it's as a shooter, but he drops down to 44 in our draft because of those those physical limitations to his game. At 45, a senior out of Charleston, Grant Riller, big-time senior season, Averaged 21.9 points a game, five rebounds a game, shot 36% from three. Big time score, lights it up from anywhere on the floor. Exciting player to watch, but his lack of elite passing ability, I don't know at his size at 6'3", you know, where he really fits in the NBA, but probably as a point guard, though he's not a pure point guard. He's a bit of a tweener, and I think teams are also questioning Again, that level of competition that he's playing against every night. How much do you read into his production at Charleston? At 46, it's Nico Mannion, the freshman Arizona point guard, a guy who also, like Cole Anthony, has seen his draft stock fall pretty badly over the course of the season as teams were deeply disappointed by his freshman season at Arizona. And, you know, there's a lot of question marks. Obviously, a guy that came in with a ton of hype um, and he can see the floor and, you know, he, he can be a special passer at times, but his lack of quickness really prevented him by getting by defenders at Arizona. That was a big issue. He was getting abused on the defensive end, another big issue uh, for Mannion. And then he had pretty mediocre shooting numbers at Arizona. He, he has range, but shot just 32.7%. Uh, from three, only 39% from the field. All of those have led scouts to wonder whether this is a prospect who has actually really peaked uh, in high school and is living off the hype right now. I think it means that he probably does slide out of the first round, go somewhere in the second, 
this will be a shock to the fans who have, have followed him throughout his career, but there are just too many big question marks right now about his game on both ends of the floor to make sense really above a pick like pick like this. At 47, it's Sam Merrill, Utah State senior shooting guard, one of the most productive players in the country last year, averaged 20 points a game, four rebounds a game, four assists a game, shot 89% from the free throw line, shot 41% from three. John Hollinger, uh, who's been my co-host on many of these podcasts, have been seeing his praises all year. He's got just terrific offensive uh, abilities as both a shooter and as a playmaker. Uh, and he he really, uh, you know, he tries to guard on defense. The question is who he's going to be able to guard at the next level. He's also 24 years old. That doesn't really help his cause as well. Talented, talented offensive player, though, uh, who might just sneak uh, into the second round. Some teams really actually like him, even up in the early 30s. At 48, Marcus Howard, the senior out of Marquette, who was one of the most explosive scorers in the country last year, 27.8 points a game. Deep, deep range on his jump shot, shot 41% from beyond the arc. He's just really undersized. He's a six-foot guard who really is a two-guard, not a point guard. I mean, really can score the basketball, the range, the fearlessness. There's some teams that don't have him in their top 30, others who think he's an early second-round steal. He's going to be instant offense off the bench. The question is who he guards and whether he can really play the point at the next level. I'm a fan. Uh, of Marcus Howard, I get why he's at 48 and that range on most most boards. But if it was me, he's the sort of guy I might gamble and and move up uh, to get him earlier in the second round. At 49, Killian Tilly, big man out of Gonzaga, just completed senior year, riddled with injuries. Uh, his career, solid numbers, can definitely stretch the floor. Doesn't have great length. But it's pretty hard to deny his shooting numbers. He can also really pass the basketball. That's that's another intriguing thing about Tilly. And, you know, the injuries have obviously raised some red flags about his durability going forward. There are usually places in the league for guys like this, though. And I think he'll end up getting drafted. Uh, draft range right now somewhere in the 40 to 60 range. At 50, Skylar Mays. Shooting guard out of LSU, a senior. A guy that I think is... A really talented player, cagey, knocks down shots all over the, all over the field. Uh, knows how to make plays for others. Not an elite athlete. Bit old, twenty three years old. Uh, it has really good feel, and I think he has the shot to stick in the league. Um, there's been some pre draft buzz about Skylar Mays of late. Uh, I think he's an intriguing prospect. Draft range in the forty to sixty uh, range. At fifty one, Tyshawn Alexander. Another senior, this one out of Creighton. Two guard, has a super high basketball IQ, um, shoots it from three, and there are a handful of scouts who think he might even be able to play some point guard at the next level. Super high motor, ability to defend multiple positions, an added plus. Another guy, personally, and I'm just talking personally, I'm surprised he isn't rated higher on most boards. Um, we have him in the 40 to 60 range, but there are a few teams that are eyeing him earlier in the 30s. At 52, it is Emmanuel Quickly, the Kentucky guard, sophomore, 
Elite shooter, shot nearly 43% from three this year, has energy, has a crazy 6'10 wingspan, even though he's six foot three. Those are all really intriguing measurements for a prospect like him. Doesn't have elite athleticism, doesn't really have the court vision to be a point guard. And, and, and actually, despite his length, uh, struggled to finish at the rim. Major question marks there about him. Another one of these guys that you wonder, though, is there a little bit of the Kentucky, he was playing around so much talent, maybe didn't shine the way that he could have shined in other settings. Maybe he's too low on the board. I'm, I'm not really sure. It was really hard to tell watching him at Kentucky this year. I certainly think you can make the argument that he's more likely to be in the 40 to 60 range on draft night, and that's where we have his projection right now. At 53, Yam Madar, guard out of Israel, with scouts heading to Israel to scout Denny Avdia. Some came away impressed with his gritty, high-energy play. Uh, he's a difference maker for sure on both ends of the court. But again, the question mark is he doesn't have elite size for his position. He doesn't have elite athleticism. And he's got a pretty shaky jump shot, shot just 26.8% from three. I think he's living into some of the hype some of the glow that went around Denny Avdia. I think, again, scouts watching him in the Israeli league, which I don't think is the strongest league in the world, maybe have inflated his stock, but he definitely seems like an international player that could hear his name called in the second round. At 54, Cassius Stanley, the freshman wing out of Duke, one of the most explosive leapers in this draft, helps him with lobs, rebounding, actually a pretty good shot blocker for a wing Jump shot was solid, shot 36% from three. He's pretty old for his class. He's already 21 years old. He does not have elite length. And his basketball IQ seems pretty limited. He seems more like an athlete at times than a basketball player. That athleticism alone may get him drafted in the second round. We have his draft range at 40 to 60. At 55, Reggie Perry, the center out of Mississippi State. Had a huge sophomore season for them, 17.4 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, 1.2 blocks a game. One of the most improved players in the country as a sophomore. Elite rebounder, ability to score the paint. Both of those could translate into sort of a small ball center in the NBA. He was pretty foul prone uh, as a sophomore, a bit undersized, still emerging uh, on that perimeter game. Definitely a guy I think that you take a flyer on in the second round. We have his draft range at 40 to 60. At 56, Abdoulaye Ndoy, the shooting guard out of France. He has an incredible 7-3 wingspan. That's right, 7-3 wingspan. He stands 6-7, so great, great size for his position. Has excellent speed, allows him to guard everyone from point guards to power forwards. Excellent passer. Greatly improved as a shooter uh, this year. Ended up shooting 41, 44% from three. Just been slow to progress on the offensive end in general. Uh, and this season, the scouts have started to have some hope that maybe things are turning around for him. Definitely a draft and stash type player for sure. Intriguing uh, when I was watching tape from him. Really intrigued. I know a couple of teams think he is a steal in the second round have his draft range is 40 to 60 but given the multiple picks that some teams have and wanting that draft and stash he couldn't end up going a few spots higher than that at 57 no i'm not being a homer yoli childs byu power forward averaged 22 points a game nine rebounds a game two assists a game shot 48.9 percent from three 
with a limited sample size there, was having a dominant season at BYU before a suspension from the NCAA into the season. He's been a dominant scorer at BYU, shows range on his jump shot, has length, is a good rebounder. You know, only stands 6'8", but has that seven seven foot wingspan. Teams question his defense, his lack of elite size for his position, his free throw shooting is is a question mark and wonders whether that means that his shot will translate to the next level, but seems to be generating significant interest in the late second round. I think he's going to get drafted. I think that he he has a chance. He'll probably play in the D League from here, and then we'll see how it goes. At 58, it's Philippe Petrusev, sophomore center out of Gonzaga. His primary value is going to be as a draft and stash player because he's already playing over in Serbia right now. You can leave him over there if you want. Um, he was a dominant force at times in the paint for Gonzaga and and could really score, especially in the paint. Um, but he's got one of those old school games that seems better suited for the NBA a decade or two ago. Um, he's an old school center. I'm not sure exactly how that translates, but we're starting to get fairly thin as we move down our draft board. And I think he could be, again, a nice nice draft and stash option in that 40 to 60 range. At 59, it's Kareem Main, guard out of Vanier College in Canada. Now, he's a reach. uh, But there's a dearth of interesting prospects left on the board. And why not take a swing and see what he does in the D League or the G League? Because he's got good athleticism, rebounds well for his size, Great length, um, shown a knack for passing the ball. Uh, is six five with a six ten wingspan. Um, the competition he played at was obviously low, and uh, that's a question mark I think for NBA teams. But he played pretty well for the Canadian under nineteen team. And again, when you just start looking at who you want to take, who you might want to draft, stash, leaving the G League uh, for a bit, he seems like a guy who might be worth a flyer at fifty nine. Again, we put his draft range at 40 to 60. That leaves the 60th pick to Ashton Hagens, the sophomore guard out of Kentucky, who is one of the best perimeter defenders in this draft, really gets it done on the defensive end, had an offensive implosion his sophomore year at Kentucky, which kind of devastated his draft stock. Teams have started to come around him a little bit, uh, wondering whether there was some fluke there about how badly he performed offensively and of course loving the defense and what he brings to the table shot 25.8% from three at Kentucky as a sophomore. That's a scary number. But again, when we think about the prospects that are left on the board, not a bad selection. I have him going 60. That's a wrap for big board 3.0. If you want to follow along and, and read about all this, print it out, look at the stats, everything else. You can go to nbabigboard.com and see Big Board 3.0 there. And I'll be back tomorrow breaking down my mock draft 2.0. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.